Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Ono Sullivan and today's guest on the show is Landless, or rather one quarter of Landless, Ruth Clinton. The other three members are Lily Power, Maeve Mayer and Sinead Lynch. Landless are a traditional Irish vocal group from Dublin and Belfast who sing unaccompanied traditional songs from Ireland, Scotland, England and America in four-part harmony. I first came across them uh, last year when I was helping out for the first time with Crosstown Drift, the kind of the literary f- uh, festival side of Cork Midsummer Festival. They they sang upstairs at the English market in the evening on the Saturday, uh, kind of in between in between dinner and in between readings by the likes of uh, Sinead Gleeson and Ema Ryan and another few people. And it was... Uh, a really, really special night, and I know that they won a lot of fans that night, uh, so much so that they came back to Crosstown Drift 2018, where we were in the Crawford Gallery this time, and it was kind of different things happening in every room. I was in one room doing interviews with people, and then in another room doing interviews with people, and they were in this like really reverby room, uh, kind of people shuffled in, and then boom, Landa starts singing, so... They're kind of, uh, yeah, they're a really special uh, act and it was really good to chat with them. They have a couple of shows coming up in October. Well, the kind of halfway, we're more than halfway through October. They've already got one show down in Galway. So if you're from Galway and you're always listening to these uh, recommendations of who you should go see, I'm really sorry they played in the Black Gate on October 11th. But maybe it's worth going down to Connolly's of Lep today if you're listening to the podcast as soon as it goes up Thursday, October 18th. They're playing Connolly's with Cuevin and Rahlig. Uh, they're in Belfast two days later, October 20th, also with Cuevin, playing the Dunkern. And then they're playing the National Concert Hall as part of the Tradition Now Festival with uh, Rosie Kearney, rising superstar, I think, Rosie Kearney. She's going to be absolutely huge in uh, 2019. And Meek, one of my favourite acts of the year, uh, in 2018 and looking forward to hearing a lot more from her uh, next year as well uh, that's October 23rd that that's happening in the National Concert Hall so that's going to be a really really special show I really enjoyed this chat with Ruth from Landless they released their debut album Bleaching Bones on Humble Serpent Record it's the first uh, album to be released on Humble Serpent Record they released it in March and it's one of those albums that I think that you can go back to again and again and again you might hear something like unaccompanied folk songs and you think why, why would I listen to that this is an album that like just wins you over really quickly and it's one that you return to again and again and again uh, it's a really really great album and yeah it's pretty much nothing but their voices there's one or two other things Ruth kind of explains those one or two other things because my ears obviously aren't good enough to know what they are so we get into that on the podcast we talk about sacred harp singing um a phrase that i know a little bit about don't worry we'll explain that on the podcast as well we talk about how great cork is (laughs) it was recorded upstairs in the roundy on a monday morning very early on a monday morning i was struggling to find a venue to actually like do decent sound recording in cork uh for the podcast if anybody has any ideas of where a good place in Cork is when you need to record an impromptu podcast. Uh, please, answers on a postcard to the point of everything. I, If I'm doing them in Cork, usually I'm doing them at my gaff. When I have to go into town, I'm like, uh, where is actually quiet? So thanks to uh, Jim and the Roundy for uh, stepping in and helping me uh, with that. So yeah, anyway, uh, let's get to Ruth and Landless. And this was a day after they had just come up from... 
uh, Ballet de Hab. They had been playing the Secret Song Festival, an annual kind of showcase that takes place in uh, Leavis's in Ballet de Hab, which is just the most amazing venue. And uh, there was a really, really uh, good dollop of uh, great musicians um, who were playing that. Rosie Plain, Joan Shelley, Landless uh, played a couple of sets and a lot more as well. I really, really have to go down. It's uh, it's a special bar and that sounds like it's a very special little one day festival. Uh, I started out by asking Ruth how she got on at Secret Song. It was the first time we'd ever been to Bally de Hub or Leavis's, though we've heard loads about it from all of our friends. Um, and it was gorgeous. Yeah, we did a little kind of teaser gig upstairs in the parlor. Um, very small, intimate, lots of people sitting on the floor. Actually, because I close my eyes when I sing. So I was sort of thinking about the song and then I opened them and suddenly there was a room full of people at my feet. Um, that was really nice. And then we hung around and got to see some of the other acts um, and then had another gig behind the bar later on, which was gorgeous. Magic place. Who else did you... Uh get to see anybody yeah we saw pete co he's a english folk singer and um, been around a while i think he's doing a little he hadn't been in ireland in like 50 years or something and he was doing a little tour of all the singing sessions and stuff so he was great multi-instrumentalist and his wife got up and danced and everything and we saw susan o'neill i want to say her name is she was really great anyway yeah. um yeah it's a special kind of place isn't it yeah west cork vibe it sounds like this is kind of just the latest on like a nice year that landless have had it's just kind of like a nice series of gigs that you've been asked to do yeah i think we're really lucky in that we get to ask get asked to do such a wide variety of gigs you know like from art centers or like little venues like the roundy or then the crawford gallery do that lovely crosstown drift yeah yeah i was involved in in there oh really yeah 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 Ah, what were you doing uh, I was kind of co-organizing it and I did a couple of interviews as part of it as well in different rooms in the Crawford space, hence why you wouldn't have seen me. Okay. Wouldn't have seen me around. No, we didn't cross paths with lots of people. Yeah, and yeah. It was, it was a cool little um, cool little event. Joe, Joe Kelly, who organizes it, is just one of those like powerhouses in Cork. And he seems to be like one of your kind of champions as well. You recorded like at St. Luke's. Yeah, they, he would have let us in. Yeah, we recorded in that beautiful basement in the because ch- the reverb was actually too much in the church itself, so we went down to the basement and recorded there in between cars passing by, which is fun. <laughs> That's what you've got to uh, worry about when you're kind of like an unaccompanied folk band. You're just kind of like just wait for the sound to pass. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I guess it's something we should have considered when you're recording it all live as well. But it was fine. We just have to concentrate really hard, and I mean, it's worth it for the room for the sound you know rather than being in I think if we were in a little studio because there's no instruments or anything if you're not getting anything back from the room it can just be a bit demoralizing so it's really enjoyable to sing in those big echoey spaces and to actually feel it coming back yeah what's it like singing in a dead room it's just kind of like us just doesn't add anything to really out of tune all the time we were not probably not but it just feels that way or you're I don't know you don't get to like settle into it because it's just the sound just disappears instantly so it probably it suits just different kinds of music, I think. So how did you guys uh, get together? We met through the kind of the Dublin traditional singing scene, I suppose. Yeah, I would have met at sessions. And then I met Lily because I started the... You probably, I'm sure you've heard of Sacred Harp living yes, in Cork. Yes, yes. Yeah, I started the Dublin branch years ago. Um, and then 
met Lily at that. Um, she came along and I think I admired her jumper or something. And then I knew Maeve from art college and we sang together there. And then we all just joined up. Just decided let's do something together. Yeah, it's real scary singing on your own sometimes. So the more the merrier, I think. Yeah. What yeah. What is it that kind of like your voices all work together what was it that you were kind of looking for that's, that, that's like a happy accident <laughs> you just like singing with the other people yeah I, I guess well when I was in college me and Maeve started singing together because she's just an amazing singer and was always singing anyway and I had like harbored secret ambitions but was too nervous so I used to get drunk and corner at, at parties and be like Maeve I've learned a song and then I'd make her sing it with me and then eventually we started, you know, we'd go to the Hoth Singing Circle or up in Inishown and Donegal. Like the old, like the traditional singing scene are really supportive of younger singers. So they like really encouraged us. So me and Maeve would have stood that for a while together, not formally at all, just, you know, for enjoyment. And then when we met the others, it was like, well, why wouldn't you just add more harmonies? There's a lot there that we could we could go to. Let's Let's go further back first, though. Like, I mean... It, it was a question that I was wondering, like, would I ask? Because I think it's something that only gets asked of people in trad circles. Like, did you grow up with trad in your home? Like, what was it mm. that kind of drew you to that music? I think it was played on the radio at home, but it definitely skipped a couple of generations. Like, my great, great uncle even? I didn't even meet him. Apparently, he was like a legendary box player. So I would have grown up with my granny talking about that and her talking about the house dances in the countryside and everything. But it was never part of my own childhood like I learned piano and church organ it's much more Protestant <laughs> um those stories kind of stay with you I suppose do yeah, they definitely and we're when it's even just listening to it on Ornagy or whatever every Friday the Shannox program will come on and my mom will come home and be like Jesus what's that noise why can't they sing in tune and I was like no no there's something to this so yeah it filters in or like then going to up to the whole singing circle and hearing all that for the first time and I don't know it's just great, isn't it? <laughs> but I wonder, like, like, did you have, do you have, like, that, not rebellious, because it's not really rebellious, but, like, going through, like, the teenage angst phase, and, like, you're like, I'm not listening to all of that stuff that I grew up with. I'm going to... Mm, I don't think for me, maybe if you grew up with trad, maybe that happens. If you're growing up, like, going to cultists or, you know, having to play every week or something. But personally, I don't think doing trad was in any way rebellious <laughs> it's a very safe choice yeah and so like did you just kind of keep it up throughout while you were kind of uh like growing up the music yeah well I mean I wasn't really doing this kind of thing at all it was no. piano and organ. Oh, so, yeah. yeah yeah like so. like you said it was uh just learning songs on the sly and then getting drunk and, and yeah them. exactly the kind of uh, very nervous singer you know and I'm in choir I'm really quiet so you, if you have the teacher shouting at you to sing up sing up like that would just make me wither you know but then going to these singing circles and seeing how supportive everyone is like there's such respect because it's not really like getting up on a stage everyone just sitting in a room together and you take turns and there's kind of no hierarchy or anything and not everyone is amazing either but everyone is given equal respect so it's very supportive and then I realized that you can close your eyes when you sing and you don't have to see anyone. Is, is that what you do? It's so you mentioned that earlier, even yesterday in Ballad Hobby, you were singing with your eyes closed. Yeah, just 
you can just go into your own little world and don't have to think about you don't have to catch an expression on someone's face that might have nothing to do with you but then I'll spend the rest of the song being like oh god they're not liking it or whatever or just start thinking about your lunch or something you can just helps me concentrate what made you want to start the Dublin Sacred Heart harp hmm I had sung a bit of it over in the states in New York just I was over for a J1 like 10 years ago maybe and they're, they're just again a lovely community you know these people who I so obviously the, sing, the singing itself is incredible as everyone in Cork knows by now I'm sure but the actual sense of community there was amazing like I would go to these weekly singings in Brooklyn and there was a convention going on up in Massachusetts and these people who didn't know me you know offered to bring me up and feed me and bring you know let me stay in their house and like really just mind you in this lovely way on a different continent so I was really struck by that and then it's very addictive as well <laughs> again as everybody here knows like you get really addicted to it and just have to keep singing it all the time for a certain amount of time I think the uh, actual like sacred harp the, yeah like have, have you ever done it no I haven't my housemate does it and I have another couple of friends who do it oh you should do it. I'm amazed they haven't roped you in. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Again, it's singing. It's not really something that I I would... Uh, I definitely close my eyes while I was doing it. But yeah. do you want to just, like, explain maybe a little bit in case people don't know what it is? <laughs> like me, who's probably like, I know what it is, and then you'll tell me what it is. I'm like, oh, it, I didn't know that at all. So it's, like, American hymn singing, but it's kind of, like, folk hymns. Folk hymns. I'm gonna. Exp- I'm gonna do such a horrible job of this. You should get one of them court people in to explain it. It was kind of like so. When you're singing it, you're sitting in a square, and all the parts are facing inwards. And people take turn to get up, and they call a song from a book that's called the Sacred Harp, and they lead the song um, from the middle. But they're they're not the conductor. Everyone takes turns, so there's no hierarchy in that way. And the everybody sings incredibly loudly in full voice and the notation is written slightly differently to standard notation and it's all designed to help congregations learn hymns quickly and it would have been sung when maybe hymn singing in certain parts of the states was considered frivolous so they would go off into the woods and they would sing these hymns and the idea being that they're quick and easy to pick up if you're leading with your hand everyone can see you beating time so everyone stays together even in a very large group so there's a, there's a reason why everything is as it is now. I mean, it's a tech, it's a very technical explanation, I don't know. Yeah. But basically, it's a really powerful experience. Even if, I mean, I don't take a religious meaning from it personally, although the words are obviously all about Jesus. But I think you can kind of interpret the words however you want, really. But the actual power of the music and the, the volume and the whatever way the harmonies are arranged, it really hits something in your stomach it sounds like it's a real communal thing as well like that's the thing that draws people like uh people come over from the states and even further afield i think but is is that kind of like the big draw for you as well just the communal aspect of it yeah i like the structure the non-hierarchical hierarchical there's no hierarchy (laughs) in it i like that that there's no conductor you're not the point is that it's not for performance it's like it's just community singing so it's eternal practice you're just getting together and singing together for the sake of it and for the love of it and you're not it's not with a view to perform it for an audience which I think is a nice thing and like when you started up the Dublin um, chapter of that uh, 
like did you get a crowd straight away like you knew like lots of people who would enjoy it or who would get something out of it it's a good question i think we we started off with an all-day singing so a, like a bigger event than just a weekly one and i made posters and the cork people came up and were really supportive and helped because they're strong singers so they were able to kind of keep it going you know and then that gave people who were curious a really good idea of what it can be like you know and then we had our weekly singings in a place called the exchange in temple bar to know if you were ever there it's gone now but uh it was right in the middle of temple bar and it had this big window so everyone passing by could see what we were doing and people would just be curious and come in we you know recruited people that way recruited sounds a bit sinister a bit culty yeah a little bit culty but it's probably a bit of a cult it has a reputation for that <laughs> yeah I, I i don't i i couldn't couldn't speak to that <laughs> and so like how did landless or when did landless come out come out of this was it a couple of years later it was in 2013 actually we went to the draw to singing gathering which was part of the gathering if you remember that Oh, right, the the cultural... The gathering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, up in Drogheda, they had a singing event, I suppose, as part of that. And we were all gone up. Like, us and a few others as well. Like, we, we weren't all singing Sacred Heart. That's just how I met Lily. Um, but we were all up at that. And then I think we just decided that we would be a bit more formal about it. And we were, like, give ourselves a name and everything. But we wanted to call ourselves Boiled in Lead. Um, but very it, heavy metal name. Yeah, it wasn't met with a great reaction from the older singers. They didn't really like it. But it was—it's from the so- like the song, the two sisters. One of them gets spoiled and let. Anyway, we're saving it up. Maybe an album title. Were you kind of aware of the folk scene then in Dublin? Because that seems to be like you know you're one of the names that are kind of mentioned along with this kind of new folk uh, sound that's coming out of Ireland. Yeah, I guess it's. It's really organic. Those kind of things are so intangible, aren't they? And like now, with hindsight, you're like, oh yes, there is a folk scene, or there was a folk scene. But at that time, I suppose, yeah, we would have been meeting the likes of Lancome or Lynch as they were, and Evagab. I mean, I yeah, I met the Evagabonds boys when Brian was 18 or something, and they were up for the Black Letters and Ballads session, which used to run in the joinery. We used to meet people at the Grand, the Folk Club and the Grand Social that Johnny Tennant rang. There was all these little things that kind of did help get the scene going before the sessions that exist now exist and we all sort of met through that and then, and then you see like one of those acts kind of get something out of it like oh you vagabonds have released their album and they're like jeez yeah it's deadly it's so nice it's so nice to watch all that happen and and it is just that supportive thing again i guess very supportive yeah because people would come to each other's sessions like they they have or had i don't know if they're still doing it in walters on the monday night the you vagabonds lads would run a session there we run a traditional singing session in the cobblestone and you know everyone would attend each other's events and it's a real pleasure like uh, John Pearson, who uh, you work with, um, he's Islander and puts on lots of gigs around the place. He is putting on kind of like a new folk uh, night in the NCH on the 23rd of October, which you guys are playing at, which seem, which does seem like, you know, it's it's quite a, a big deal. Like, I don't know if, like, I'm kind of surprised at the names. I'm kind of like, geez, they'll, they'll sell out the, the National Concert Hall, you know? It'll be I don't know about selling it out. No? <laughs> also, it's it's not in the main room now, I must say. Oh, isn't it? No, no. Oh, no. Which Kevin I'm Barry sad room? about because the organ is in the main room and I would like to play that. Oh. Um, it's in the studio. Oh, okay. Which I don't think I've been in. Yeah. And do you know the other acts we were playing? Rosie Kearney and... Anamika. Anamika. Yeah, oh. we know Anamika, but um, I've never met Rosie Kearney, so looking forward to it. 
But uh, I, yeah, I mean, the tradition now thing has been running for a few years. So I suppose the concert hall led that. And then John is working with them this year to program this particular year. But Lau would have done it a good few years ago. And Lancome and At First Light, I think was the year I was there. But yeah, it's, it's been going for a while anyway. And like... Landis's first album which came out earlier this year it came out on Humble Serpent which tell me a little bit about that um that is a label set up by Vincent Dermody and Michael Gravel and Claude Vella we're their first and only release so far I guess there'll be more but uh yeah they've just all been involved in music and they're just all musicians and like seriously know their stuff so they wanted to I guess they wanted to set it up anyway, but then we were there ready and needing to do an album. So, yeah, they helped us. And were they just at the folk nights as well? Um, did you just know them from well, around? I suppose Vinny is my partner's brother. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know if that's nepotism. Is it? Maybe. Uh, we just, at the Dublin scene, you know, all know each other anyway. And I guess, I'm sure they'd heard us singing around. But I mean, they would be more. I mean, Jimmy or Jimmy, Vinny's in the Jimmy Cake, um. So it's kind of a different sort of the Dublin scene. But there's a nice overlap. Yeah, and it was recorded with um, Spud Murphy. Yeah. Who like records with Katie Kim? Yeah, is in Percolator. And is in Percolator. Sound for Lancome. That's pretty. That's like quite a nice oh, deal to have. It's yeah. great. Spud's genius. Yeah. How did how did that happen? Um. Again, I suppose. Maybe when Vinny and Greves and all were setting up the label, I suppose they would have talked to Spud at the beginning about doing the recording for them. Oh, so you knew before you recorded it that it would be coming out on Humble Serpent? Yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that was great. That's probably a little bit of added pressure as well, is it? Um, no, I would say it's added financial assistance, <laughs> which is a good thing. And I oh know an incentive to do it. Like we're very lackadaisical, yeah. you know. So to have a deadline and other people kind of relying on you to do something and got it done and it, to like a nice quality, like the printing and everything, we wouldn't have or to get it on vinyl, we wouldn't have been able to do that on our own steam. You know, we had a little EP before, but it's really nice to produce like a well-made thing. Are you guys spread um, around the place? You're not all in Dublin. You're fr- you're in Sligo. Yeah, I'm from Dublin, but I moved to Sligo. Maeve's in Belfast, and Lily and Sinead are in Dublin. So how does how does it work now? <laughs> With difficulty. <laughs> Set up Skype. Open Skype. Uh, we did try that once. The did time delay. Nope. No. It's quite difficult to sing in four part harmony over Skype. That'd be interesting though if you recorded and you're all singing like <laughs> slightly out of time. Maybe oh, maybe stressful. that's wow a brand new genre. <laughs> so avant garde. Um, yeah, no, we just, we generally practice before gigs. Really? Yeah. You're just like, we have to be here at this time, let's all meet five minutes beforehand. Uh, half an hour beforehand. Half an hour beforehand, yeah, we try our best. How do you select what songs you're going to sing on the album? Is it, j- because they're they're all covers? Um, I suppose cover is a term that works in different genres, I okay. think. But in traditional singing, I don't know... I suppose you would say interpretation, maybe. That even sounds a bit highfalutin. Like, the songs are just passed down, and you just have a song for a while, and then you pass it on, you know? Nobody owns them or anything, so to... We never really call it a cover. That's kind of something I would think about in, like, other genres of music, if that makes sense. Um, So, yeah, they're all traditional songs, and there are interpretations of traditional songs. And so how do you interpret them? Is it just 
like you all just kind of sing it and kind of find your uh your way um rarely actually i know a lot of people will do that but for us the way we work i think is a little bit more separate than that like maybe two people we could do it two people at once potentially improvising a harmony and then working from that but personally i don't know if it's because i'm a control freak or a loner or whatever it is but if i have a song that i'd like for us to do i'll record myself singing the melody and then i will put on headphones and i'll record myself singing a harmony over that and do that two more times and then send everyone their parts and we learn them personally that's how i would do it but it's just because if you have something kind of in your head i'd find it hard Maybe that's just being extremely repressed as well, but being sitting in a room, I'd be more self-conscious about it. Whereas if I'm alone, I can kind of think about it, work through it. And was Spud, was he like happy to just kind of let you kind of do your thing? Like I know on the album, there's just a little bit of like, uh, I don't know, squeeze box. Is that what is that what's on it? No, it's church organ. Is it church organ? Yeah. Really? On the, there's one where it's mostly Maeve singing. Yeah. Really yeah, that's a, a the drone. Head. Yeah, yeah, the drone sound. Yeah, because um, I'm, I'm an organist. Wow, that's organ, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I guess we didn't list it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, we recorded that in the pepper canister in Dublin. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of like the only sound other than your voice that's on the album. Yeah, except for, and you can just about make it out on the, if you're wearing headphones, I think, on the Ballad of Spring Hill, there's a very, very low rumble that happens. And that is a synthesized organ. But like it's super low. It's kind of just meant to give you a vague feeling of dread or of being in a mine. No one was ever like, look, I, ju- I have this guitar. <laughs> you know, I have this acoustic guitar. <laughs> no, I just I have this church organ. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone was just kind of happy. Like this is this is how they roll. Yeah. Also, none of I'd say none of us are primarily instrumentalists. You know, maybe none of us would feel like what we have to bring on an instrument is so amazing that it's worth it. If you know what I mean. Do any of you play instruments? Yeah, um, yeah, Lily plays five-string banjo, piano. I play organ, piano, fiddle, Sinead plays flute, Maeve's learning a bit of flute as well. So we do, but not, I mean, not to the extent that it's worth it so far. But maybe. Maybe, I don't know. We've got to do this thing for a while first, I think. Do you do um, sessions and, like, rock up to different pubs and join in? Occasionally. We're rarely, unfortunately, rarely get the chance to all just be together when it's not a gig, you know? Um, every now and then and it's a nice thing it's less scary and so like what are you planning on doing next is it just kind of taking it one show at a time October's kind of mad there's a lot of stuff usually our gigs are really spread out but for whatever reason it's all happening in the next like three weeks Um, so I can list some of them I, I had I texted myself a list when I texted myself my phone beeped I was like oh who's texting me it's just me we are in the Black Gate in Galway on the 11th, uh, which we've never been in Galway before, so that's exciting. And I haven't, I haven't ever been to Galway well, before? Well, I mean, just I've physically been oh, in Galway, okay. but we never saw in Galway. No. Um, and then on the 18th, we're actually back in West Cork in Connolly's in Lep with Cuivin O'Rahalig. That's another Islander thing. That'll be nice. And then the 20th, we're in the Dunkairn in Belfast with Cuivin as well. And 21st, we're in England and Hartlepool Festival. And then the 23rd, we're in the National Concert Hall. And then the 25th is the Folk Awards. And then the 27th, we're going to London for Return to Camden. So, yeah, we're really worried about losing our voices and we're not allowed to talk. 
to ourselves in between songs. Well, it's just as well you're do, you've done like a half hour interview. <laughs> yeah, just get it out of the way now. Is that like a perennial worry? Yeah, for... big time, all the time. Really? Has, has it actually happened? There was one particular gig in Drogheda where we were all really, really sick. And we should have just cancelled, I think. But we didn't. Because we're just we're like, no, we have to just have to get through it. And I was just, we're just dosed up on Sudafed and whiskies and whatever it was just to try and get through it. But it was pretty disastrous because you've nothing to hide behind. No instruments. It's just your voice. So everything we were pitched was really low and really quiet. And like, I couldn't even speak afterwards. It was, it was really bad. Wouldn't be doing that in a hurry. So you actually can't hide it. You just yeah, I guess other people can play instruments. And when you're singing low and like if you haven't practiced it, is it is it easy to just, oh, I'll go lower myself. She's singing low. I'll go low. Mm, do you mean in pitch or volume? Pitch, I suppose. It depends. Like when when you're if you're sick, if you're well, we just because we couldn't sing any high notes, but yeah. it really kills the whole thing. You know, yeah, you lose all the energy. Well, we were just too sick. We shouldn't have done it. It was <laughs> stupid. And I really hope we don't lose our voices. <laughs> well, hopefully not jinxing it or anything. But um, like if one of you loses your voices, are you like, we can still do the gig? Like if one yeah. of them is like, I can't sing. Uh, you might has, be able to fluff it. Yet. There's been some times where one of us, so we call it the landless lurgy. Someone's always sick. Um, but you can, I mean, kind of get away with it. Or maybe sing the songs where that person doesn't have the leads or the melody or whatever. You might get away with it. It's not ideal, though. Like, it's pretty, we're very exposed. Is it, is it easy for y'all to be like, okay, we'll book all these gigs in October. It'll be grand. We'll all be able to do it. No, the, not usually. And it is difficult with people's work schedules. kind Because no, we're not full-time, really. I suppose maybe I'm the closest thing to full-time. But uh, no, this is a, a struggle. <laughs> but it's good and it's amazing to get to do it all and it's it's a good time because Lily's just finished her masters and stuff so I think there actually is a window where we will be able to do this many gigs but it's a rare thing have you looked ahead to uh 2019 yet no you haven't booked anything <laughs> um that's terrible maybe we have if we have I've forgotten I didn't text that to myself you're not heading back into a uh, studio um no immediate plans I think we want to actually try and do a decent amount of gigs with this album you know and really just enjoy that for the moment or you know try and make a few bob actually doing gigs before we put it all back into another album and also like it takes a while to accumulate enough decent songs for another one so or how how we could build on the last one or do something interesting you know to make it worthwhile doing a second one how do you select the songs is it just kind of favorites yeah like each of us will have different ideas you know you might hear one at a session or, for example, the last one of the last ones we learned, um, Maeve was given a mixtape by one of her friends and we were listening to it and it's like, oh my God, it's beautiful, beautiful Scottish song. So, yeah, they just come to us, you know, and we'll, it, it's, yeah, it, I wouldn't say any one of us think of songs more than the rest. It's very organic. Mm-hmm. 